we're in this series called Home Edit, the Home Edit. And so we're looking at our lives and our homes and uh, what we need to edit, what we need to restructure to fulfill our call to follow Jesus to, and to glorify him in all things. Um, last week, Randy talked about uh, parenting better. I thought it was really good. It was a great message. I just want you to know I went home and I applied all of the six elements at once. By Tuesday, uh, I've got perfect children. And so it works. I've got it in the bag. And so anyways, I just wanted you to feel bad. So, uh, No, parenting is so difficult. But it was just such a great reminder to stay the course, to be consistent, to be loving, to be patient, to be encouraging, shaping our, our kids into who God wants them to be. It's just so important. And great wisdom comes uh, from people who have gone before you. Us young parents, we can't do it without you, you parents that have already got grown kids because we, we just need to know that, that we're not the only ones sucking at it. So uh, I actually turned to some of the youth last week uh, after the message and I see like, hey, see, we don't know what we're doing, so like let up a little bit right? Give us a break. Uh, It's funny because like the two examples that he gave last week about, he was talking about discipline. There's some kids that you look at and they just like melt. And then there's other kids that like you get onto and they're like, come on, what are you going to do? And uh, those were actually both of my kids. Uh, Etta, I could just be looking at her and like doing something else. And if I have my arms crossed, she's like, dad, don't cross, cross your arms. What's wrong? You know? And then, uh, I've watched Elias, and Randy is one of Elias' favorite people on the planet. He loves his papa. But I've seen him, I've seen Randy get on to Elias, and I've just kind of watched, and I've seen Elias go like, come on, I'll hit an old man. You know, it's like he's, 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 he is that, he's that kid, so he's really scary. Um, but honestly, the best moment I felt, I had a great parenting moment this week, and it was when my mom came over and watched the kids while Lauren and I went to go to a movie. And so that's, that's, that's my one victory, right? I didn't have to deal with my kids for an hour. So, like, <laughs> so yes, parenting is hard. It was, it was a great me- message. Uh, he is going to do a part two, and he asked me, he asked me, he's like, do you want to do part two? And I said, no, I don't. I'm in part one. I'm, not, I'm in the middle of part one. So uh, the, my best parenting moment this week was when my kids weren't around me. So... Uh, anyways, this morning, we're going to talk about letting God use you. So the whole point of this series and the, the home edit, when we look at like uh, those renovation shows, like Extreme Home Makeover, we're renovating, right? The idea is that people have this home, they have this structure. And the home is this, it's the same home, and you're still living there, but you're different. You're in a different season of life. Uh, the home doesn't function and serve the needs that you have because you're different and you're in a different place in life. And so you have to sometimes go in and knock down some walls. You've got to make room. You've got to reorganize. Uh, sometimes it's structural, right? Uh, sometimes it's organizational. Sometimes you see these shows and they have to do a whole home renovation because of damage. There's underlying damage. And maybe it's just one room or maybe it's all the rooms. And so in the same way, this is true in our lives. Um, and thank God that he walks with us through it. But we go through seasons in our lives. We're still the same person. We still have the same life. But there's rooms that need to change because we're different. We're in a different season. Our needs become different. 
and we need to grow sometimes. So sometimes we've got to knock down some walls, we've got to make some room. So I want to talk about editing the room or place in our lives um, for, for us to allow God to use us. And my hope is together we can see the need and how important it is that this area of our life grows. Uh, because it does need to grow, and God wants to do some amazing things in your life through you. He wants to do some amazing things in you and through you that only you can do. He's got things planned for you that only you can do. So let's look at this first verse. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. I'm going to read down here now. (laughs) Um, So none of us can boast about it, for we're God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So this is an area of our life that we need to let grow because God has made you, you specifically to accomplish things, great works, great works, not just uh, you're going to get by, great works that only you can do. Only Greg can do it because that's what God intended. So we need to let this, this, this part of our life grow. We've got to knock down some walls. I want to focus on verse 10. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Isn't that great? It's a great promise. He's created us anew, right? He saved us by his grace. He's created us anew. We're his masterpiece. And this is, the second part is where we cut. A lot of us as Christians, we get stunted. A lot of American Christianity gets stopped here because we're all about, I'm saved, I'm loved, I'm his masterpiece, I'm created anew. But we get stopped at the part where it says, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And this is where our growth and our passion get stunted. And some of us, we're we're just so grateful to be forgiven, we're so grateful to be healed from from death and shame, we're so thankful to get our needs met, and when we first get saved, we're so passionate about God. If you've ever just been around someone who just got saved, they're just like, oh, they're on fire. It's like, yes, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Like, they're just, they won't shut up, right? But it's awesome. They're in love. They're passionate, right? And then, uh, then check back in a couple years later, and maybe they're lethargic. And maybe that's you. Maybe you feel lethargic now. You feel like you've lost your passion. And then, and then I'm sure you've been around other Christians like, oh, yeah, you're in the honeymoon phase. Like, that'll wear off. And uh, so our passion fades. And sometimes we, we walk through our life and we wonder why we're not growing in our faith. Um, our walk with Jesus kind of just becomes another part of the things to do in our life, like part of the hamster wheel of life. Like, okay, God, go to work. Got to do laundry. Take care of the kids. Got to go to church. Got to do those devotionals, you know, just got to keep, got to keep, I'm a Christian, so I need to be doing this. Um, And, you know, it's not, it's not like God's not walking with you in your life. You, you see God still meeting your needs. God is meeting you in your, your life and your marriage and your kids' lives and the things that you have to accomplish because you have to stay alive. God is providing those things and he's present, but it's not passionate anymore. And we wonder what's going on. Like the, the passion and the momentum that you had when you first got saved, it's gone. And the shine's worn off, right? And then, then you've got the people's like, it's okay. It's just the honeymoon phase is worn off. You're in a different season now. 
but it doesn't have to stay that way. And so I want to talk about how, how being used by God will change that in your life. So yeah, it's a new and different season, right? You're in a different season than you were when you first got saved. But to keep the passion, we've got to make an edit. We've got to re-engage with our purpose. So let's look at the verse again. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So this word, masterpiece, in Greek is poema. I don't even know if I can say it right. So the, the word that Paul uses for masterpiece in Greek is po- poema. It's, it's we get the word poem from it, right? Um, it means creation with a special designated purpose, a masterpiece. So that's what Paul's saying we are. We're, we're God's creation with a special designated purpose. We're not just, we're not just a, you know, a bird in a cage, something pretty to look at. We have a designated purpose. We're a masterpiece. We're, in, in a way, we are God's poem. We're telling about who he is and the power of his love. And the thing about a masterpiece, if we look at what masterpiece means, like when we say, like, that's, that's uh, Leonardo da Vinci's masterpiece, it's saying that's his best work. That's his best work. That's his life's work, all culminated into one thing. We're God's masterpiece. We're his best work. And so we're his new creation with a special designated purpose. And there's things that God has planned for you to accomplish. There's things that he's planned for you to do. So my question is, are we stepping out and are we connecting with, with this purpose in ourselves? And, and this is where we lose our passion. Is because we're, not, we're no longer connected to our purpose. We're not connected to the work of his kingdom. Because we're not, we're not connecting to what we've been made to do. So walking with God and, and his whole intention of us being his masterpiece is not... It's not um, just not sinning until we go to heaven, right? It's, he, didn't, he, he didn't just save us not to sin anymore. He saved us from those dead works so that we could do good works. He says, you are my masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works that we should live in them. So what are the good works he's created us to do if we really want to look at it? What are the good works um, that he's created us to do? So this is what he says, Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So it's to go and make disciples. It's to tell them about what Jesus has done. It's to disciple people and reproduce your faith, right? These are the works that, that God has created us to do. And if, we're, if we don't do them, we're going to lose our passion for Jesus, um, and so when we talk about works, right, God, uh, Paul says that we're created for works. It's, it's good that he addresses it before he even talks about works. He said that it's not, you're not saved by works. It's not of yourself. You're saved by grace. It's a gift from God. So Paul addresses it, and he's, he starts saying that we're already fully saved by grace. The works don't save you. The things that God created you to do don't save you, but they flow out of the grace that we've received, they should flow out of the grace. We should. So we get saved, right? And we say we want to follow Jesus, but we don't prioritize the work that he's called us to do. And he pours in, but we don't pour out. So we become stagnant. 
the water just stays in there and it just kind of gets rotten or unrefreshed. We're not getting refreshed. There's no flow in because we're not pouring out. And we feel like uh, we're not seeing great things happening in our lives. You know, when we first become Christians, we're like, you know, I'm ready to see miracles. God, you can do everything. You can do anything, God. And, but when we become stagnant and we're not pouring out, we're not refreshed anymore, right? We feel like God's not moving. And our faith ends up, and it slowly becomes not about Jesus moving in and through us to accomplish his will and building the kingdom, but then it becomes us just making it back to Sunday. I just gotta make it to Sunday. I gotta make it to Sunday just to get fed again. Uh, and then, and then we, we get into a, a thing where it's like, well, what, what church can I go to and get fed the best, right? Where's, where's the all-you-can-eat buffet? Where's, where can I go get fed and not get indigestion, not get challenged? And then so that our passion is dying because we're just looking to be fed. And we start wondering if, like, miracles happen anymore because, like, I don't see them in my life. I don't know anybody who's having miracles in their life, right? Um, our, our, uh, I mean, am I speaking to anybody in here? Does, does anybody ever, I, I've experienced that. I've experienced that where I just feel like, God, I don't feel like you're moving. Like, where is the awesome things of God that being a disciple of Christ and, and following Jesus, where is that, right? And we start to believe that great moves of God, great things are accomplished and done by someone else. It's not me, you know, it's not anybody I know. It's only people in the Bible who are already dead. It's only missionaries overseas. But here's the thing, great moves of God are driven by passion. But we've lost our passion because we think it's not me, it's not us. We've become disconnected with our purpose to be used by God to do his great work. So a lot of times we accept the identity of loved sons and daughters of God. We're heirs, we're heirs of all of God's riches, right? We're sons and daughters of God. Yes, we accept that, but then we forget that we're also his masterpiece created for special works only you can do. You are created for special works only you can do. There's a reason that you are you. And we've been poured into so we don't pour out. We're not refreshed because we're not doing what we're meant to do. Proverbs 11.25, I don't, I don't have this slide. Proverbs 11.25 11, says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. So it's this principle that, that if we pour out, God will water us. God will fill us back up and he'll fill us, he'll fill us even further. Because once we've tasted and seen, we have to pour ourselves out in order to grow and to be fed. So God provides, we know, we acknowledge God provides for our needs, right? But if we don't position ourselves to need him, what are we expecting? Our passion is going to die. If we don't step out and position ourselves to be empty, to pour out, we don't need God to fill us up anymore. So that's how our faith becomes stagnant and passionless. James 2.14 says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you can have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? If we don't believe that we're God's masterpiece to do his great work, it doesn't show the world how great a God he is. It, just, it shows the world that 
this is a faith that we hold on to so that we're comfortable. And that's why we're seeing so many of my generation, the millennials, there's a, there's a statistic that's saying now uh, for the millennial generation, only 16% of American millennials identify as born-again Christians. That's really, really low for a Christian nation. We, we call ourselves a Christian nation. And so because of this, my generation is, is and especially uh, the Zennials or Gen Z, they're leaving the church. They're saying, I'm not going to bother with something that I'm not passionate about. I'm not going to bother with something that's not real. I don't care if it's tradition. I don't care if everyone's done it before. I don't have time for it. So Jesus has given us this great work to do, not to maintain our salvation, but because we're now sons and daughters, loved, we're rescued by God and his grace, but there's a responsibility and there's a work involved in being an heir of God's riches. It's giving it out. It's spreading the wealth. It's making him known. It's serving each other in the church. It's making disciples. It's building the kingdom. And it's work for you to do. It's not just work for us to do as a, as a church staff. It's not just works for me to do because I'm up here. It's works for you to do. Because God has great things he wants to accomplish with you and me. So let's look at the hurdles that stand in our way. All right? And depending on time, maybe I'll get to two. But I want to get this first one out of the way because it'll open up and make the second one so much easier, all right? There's, we've got to look at the things that keep us from using our gifts for God's kingdom or allowing God's to, God to use us, right? We've got to look at the things that disconnect us from our purpose and that kill our passion for the work God made us for. You want to be more passionate? You want to grow and mature as a Christian? Do you want to feel closer to God? You've got to pour yourself out so he can fill you back up and refresh you. So... The first one, the first hurdle we have is insecurity, right? Because I know a lot of us in here, because I've, I've been in your shoes, I've been out there, I've felt this way, I've heard these kind of messages before, and I said, I know what you're saying, but I can't. I can't serve God. I can't put myself out there. I can't serve in the church. Uh, we have insecurities about what we see when we look at ourselves. You look at someone else, you're like, oh, easy for you to say because you're already doing it, right? Um, some of us even say, I don't, I don't have any gifts. I don't know what my gifts are. And for some of us, even though we love God and we're Christians, and we've maybe even been a Christian for a long time, we live life like we're the second string, like we're the bench warmers. Uh, we've been sidelined by people with more to offer. Let me tell you, I don't have any more to offer than you do, Okay. No one has more to offer than you do. God created you as a masterpiece, specific works, unique to you that he wants to accomplish. All right? So you may think you're unlikely. The good news is that God chooses the unlikely. There's a great king of the Bible who is unlikely, and most likely you've heard of him, okay? So this is in Judges, no, in Samuel, 1 Samuel, Judges later. Uh, so God goes to one of his prophets, Samuel, and uh, tells him, it's time to anoint a new king of Israel. My old king, not very good, is Saul. So his time's up. So he says, uh, go to a man named Jesse, and one of his sons is the next king. So Samuel gets up. He goes to Jesse and grabs the firstborn of eight sons. So Jesse has got a lot of sons. So Samuel shows up. He's like, there's lots of sons. 
I know one of them's in here. This looks, my odds are good. And so first, he grabs uh, the firstborn, right? The firstborn of eight, a born leader, right? He's, he was born into that position. He's probably tall, like muscular. He's got some life under his belt. And this is what happens. 1 Samuel 16, verse 6 through 7. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So Samuel's like, this is the one. God's like, no, that's not it. He's not it. So then God lets Samuel run through and reject in front of everybody uh, seven more sons, seven of Jesse's choice sons. Now, Jesse has eight sons, but he presents his seven choice sons. He forgot to call the last one David. He was out in the field tending his sheep. He was like, I'm not even bothered with him. It can't be him. And Jesse's like, well, there is one more, but it can't be him. He's out tending the sheep. And God says, yeah, that's the one. Bring him in. And uh, David, so Samuel anoints David in front of his, all of his older brothers who just got rejected. And he wasn't even the one going to be considered. But God saw him. God's plan was always to use him. And still to this day, David is one of the most famous kings in the history of Israel. God loves to use those who are overlooked by others. He specializes, in fact, in using the unlikely to accomplish the impossible. Throughout David's life, God used him to accomplish impossible things, things that we'd be like, it's crazy, things that even, like, we hear the stories and, like, we don't believe it happened. But God did it. And he chose someone who was overlooked by everyone else. He chose someone who was unlikely. He chose someone that we wouldn't choose because God looks at different things and evaluates us based on, he sees what we don't see. So God loves to use those who are overlooked by others. So don't sideline yourself because you seem unlikely. The very reason you seem unlikely may be the reason God uses you because he loves to do that. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. He doesn't see yourself the way that you see yourself. So if you think you're unlikely, then maybe it's time to do something. All right? So, but what if we're still insecure and scared, right? We're insecure. I don't, I don't serve because I'm insecure. That takes somebody with great faith to do. You know, I feel like I don't have enough faith to do anything, really. You know, greatness is for, for those who are strong in faith. God won't use me until I get to a certain level in my faith. You know, once my faith is stronger, I'll get to that point, right? And then, then I'm going to let God use me. Then I'm going to step out. I'm going to serve. I'm going I'm to share my faith. I'm going to, you know, go, go bump into some youth and try to tell them about life. I'm going to wait because I'm just, I'm not, my faith's not strong enough. But you're not alone. Gideon felt the same way. In the book of Judges, Israel was under the oppression of a foreign nation, and God decides to use this man, Gideon, to lead Israel in, in battle against the, the Midianite army, which was 120,000 strong. So uh, the story of Gideon, it's in Judges 6. God finds this guy, Gideon, this mighty warrior. He finds him actually in his hiding place. Gideon's hiding. He, he's, he's scared to death of the Midianites. He's actually, he's, he's got, he's trying to harvest wheat for his family. He's, he's, there's a process where you take 
wheat kernels and you mash them up and you get rid of the husks and stuff. And so he's, the stuff that you would usually do out in the open, but he's doing it in secret and he's, he's actually hiding in like a cave-like structure. He's just hiding. He's scared. He's living his life scared. And God comes to him and uh, he says, uh, you're going you're gonna to lead Israel to victory. You're going to put an end to this oppression. I want you to go out and defeat the Midianite army. And he's like, huh? So this is what God says to, to Gideon. Judges 6.14. Then the Lord turns to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon says, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Gideon says, God, I'm not your guy. I'm hiding. You're going to blow my cover. Go away. Get out of here. I'm, I'm trying to hide. And maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe you're like, I love you, Lord, but I'm just barely making it as it is. You know, no one's going to look at my life and see your greatness. They're just going to see how ordinary or they're just going to see me. It's like, you know, and we say, unless this happens or that happens, uh, I, I can't, you know. I'm not enough. I'm the least in my family. When one of them, when someone else dies, come and see me, you know. Maybe we'll talk. Come back in a few years. But God says, no, go with the strength that you have. I'm sending you. He's telling Gideon, I'm sending you. Not the future you. Not when you get to this level. I'm sending you now. Go with the strength that you, you have. So Gideon relented. He said, okay, I'll do it. But it was because he knew one thing. It wasn't because he wasn't scared anymore. It wasn't because he had, his whole personality, his, he had changed. It's because he knew one thing. That God was with him. God says this to him. In uh, verse 16, he says, The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. So he was still scared. And, and a lot of times we're still scared, and I'm still scared to step out in faith and to do something great for God, to serve God, to put myself out there. But I know one thing is that God's with me. He's promised to be with me. He says, so here, I'll be with you. So Gideon went on, and he took out an army of 120,000 men with an army of 300, because that's how God is. He chose the unchosen. He chose the unlikely to do something that seemed impossible, because that's the kind of God he is. There's nothing that can limit him or stop him. So if we know that that kind of God is with us, we don't have to be afraid. Even if we are afraid, we can just go with it. It's like, well, Lord, I don't know, but you're with me. So let's do it. You're gonna, he wants you're you to know that Israel a victory. You're going to put an he, end to this. He oppression. sees you. I want you to go out and defeat the Midianite army. And, and he like, sees what you don't. So this he's is what with you. God says to and he promises to, to always be, be with you. He promises to never abandon us. Then the Lord turns so, to him and said, "Go with the strength you have and rescue you. Israel from the Midianites." He made you to be I'm you. sending you. And he's done it on but purpose. Lord Gideon says, you might even be insecure Israel? on purpose. My clan is the weakest. So you can see God do a mighty thing in your life. And he does this in us so that we need him. So, but what if I'm a failure? I'm too messed up. I'm just happy to be saved. I'm too messed up, Tim. I'm a failure. If people knew my story, they wouldn't even let me serve here in this church. They wouldn't want to know my story. It'd be a detriment to God's plan. Um, you don't know how messed up I am. You don't know how I failed. I can't step out because my failures, if they come to light, 
It may disqualify me, or the pain of it just disqualifies me. I'm just too hurt. I could never lead a small group or talk to a youth or share my testimony because the story, it's just too messy. The story's too messy. And I'm still in the middle of it, maybe. Well, God uses failures. Look at me. I'm a failure. And I would be a fool to say to you that God is not using me. God is using me. And he is using my failures and he is using my pains for his glory. So I'm actually, I'm in ministry after not being in ministry for a long time because of a moral failure. Um, I was secretly and seriously addicted to porn from 10 years old, pretty much till I was like 25, 26. I was compulsively addicted. I couldn't go a day without it. I was actually serving here as a worship leader and a youth helper. And then I pretended like I didn't even struggle with it. I was a hypocrite. I was like, oh, gross, you know, like I'd never. But like secretly, it was every day. I was addicted. I was hopeless. And I kept it a secret from everyone. I was a Christian, and I did believe in God, but I'd shut this part of my life off from God and said, I'm, I can handle it myself. I don't want to know. I don't want to do the work. I don't want to deal with the shame. Uh, I kept it a secret from everyone. I, I was living a double life. I kept it from my wife, Lauren. We were married, you know, almost five years before I, I finally came clean. But it, the thing is, is that it may not seem like a big deal, right? Because, like, porn is just prevalent in our society. But it was a big deal because I was supposed to be an example of Christ-likeness in marriage and in purity. But I was secretly failing. I was pretending like I wasn't. I was more than failing. I was actually running the other way in that area of my life. And uh, I broke down one evening because I was, I was just dying on the inside with guilt and shame. You know, I, I got to the point where I almost didn't even believe that God really delivered from sin or that God could ever overcome this sin in my life. Um, and so one day I came clean to Lauren, but it was like the most cowardly way because like I only confessed 50% of what was really going on because I'd become such a liar from covering up, deceiving from living a double life that, uh, and I was so used to covering myself, protecting myself, that I just, I couldn't even be honest enough to get free. And so, I mean, I, I dragged Lauren and my family through the mud uh, trying to get through this and, and get clean. And, and eventually God got me free. I confessed, I got some help, started working on this. And uh, it almost killed our marriage, but God was good. He held us together. He delivered me. He's held me. He's, he's kept me safe. He's kept our marriage safe. And we've grown. And now we have two kids. We were going to get divorced. We've got two kids now. We've been married in almost another eight years. And it cost me. I had to resign from, uh, at the time we were living in Fort Worth. And I was in the process of being hired as the worship leader at a, another large church. And I had to resign. Uh, and then I... Uh, just, I just kind of took myself out for a long time. Spent the next five or six years saying, Lord, I'm, I'm just grateful to be saved. I'm just grateful to have my marriage. I'm just grateful. And thinking, like, I've messed up for too long. I've been so fake. I've been such a phony. I've been a hypocrite. The best I can do is just have a good relationship with you, Jesus. And I hid from some of God's challenges and callings and urgings. I fought the call to go back to ministry because I was like, I'm the kind of guy that people are leaving the church over. I'm a hypocrite. All I've shown is that you don't, that I, that I can fail. That's all I've shown. It's like, this is what a Christian does. He pretends like he doesn't struggle with something, but he really 
does, and he's a fake, right? And so, like, that's the, that's the self-talk. That's that what was in my heart and kept me from, from answering God's call back into ministry. And so in 2018, I said yes. I said, okay, fine. God, you won't leave me alone. I'll do it. I don't even know how. I'm not even really in a position to do it, you know, with my job. I was traveling a lot. I was on call a lot. I worked through the night. It's like, I can't even make it to church. But okay, it's up to you. And it's been a long process getting to this because of life and family. There's been lots of figuring out, but God is doing it. He's continually doing it. He's done it, and he's, he's made it happen. So I'm here today giving you a word because I finally just said yes, and I realized that my failures are not too big for God to use. And I can stand up here and I can tell you that God can use you even if you failed and messed up. I'm here to tell you that. If that's you, I'm here today for that reason, so that you'd know that God can use you even if you failed and messed up, even though you, you may be a failure. Maybe you think you've been a phony, a false Christian, but you're still just holding on. God's got a story in your life for you to tell, to help someone else. And I can stand here, I can tell you that I am a masterpiece created in Christ to do good works. I'm confident. I'm a masterpiece. I'm messy, but I'm a masterpiece. I'm here to say good words. I'm right here, right now with this life, this body, with my story that God always used, always, he always planned to use me for. He always planned to use me for right here, right now, in this moment, to speak a word to you, to encourage you, to let you know that you, you're a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece. God wants to use you. So I want to read this verse, Romans 8, 28, 30. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. So that's, that's how to answer the question of your failures. He's predestined you. He's going to use it. He's called you. He's justified you. He's glorified you. You're a son and a daughter. You've got something to offer. God uses failures, and he can take the story of your life, even with your failures, your flaws, even your mess, and he makes it a masterpiece to shine for his glory. You are God's greatest work. And you're not unlikely to God. You're not overlooked by God. And God is not rocked by your failure. You are a masterpiece created for good works that he planned in advance. So, that's you. So that's the answer to your insecurities. You're not overlooked. You're not unlikely. You're loved by God. You're not too big of a failure. So what do we do now? The second hurdle is priority. If we, if we believe it's important, we've got to do it. We've got to make room to be used by God in our lives. We've got to make that edit. We've got to knock down some walls, right? So, so we've got to throw away those junky insecurities, right? But then we also have to position ourselves to pour out so God can pour more into us. And we can't let ourselves be too busy for the work God planned for us to do. That means we've got to make some room in our life. We might have to change some schedule. Maybe we've got to just put ourselves out there, talk to that person we know we need to talk to. Um, especially if this is so important and vital to who we are and why we are made and why our passion is fading and, and what's, what it takes to, to have a passionate walk with Jesus, 
We have to do this. If it's that important to who we are and what we've been made to do, we've got to do it. So one of the most obvious ways to grow in this is to serve here at church. And it's, it's easy because you're already here. But it's not just by default. God puts you here in this community for a reason. To tell a story that only you can tell. To love in a way only you can love. And I just want you to know that here at Life Community Church, there's important things that God wants to accomplish that they're not going to happen until you're working on it. They're not. There's things that will never happen until you do it because that's what God created you to do. You, uniquely you. It's important work. You're important. And it's not going to be done until you're doing it. So maybe you're like, I don't know where to start. Well, it's not nowhere, and it's not where you're at now if you haven't started. Sometimes we've got to make space to figure out where we fit. We've got to let, allow time to figure out where we fit. A lot of times God doesn't say, hey, go do this, serve here. You're called to do this. You're going to do this at this time, and oh, yeah, by the way, this is your spiritual gift. No, sometimes you just got to step out. We can start with nursery. We can start with youth, greeting, small group leader. Sometimes you just start serving somewhere, and you bump into someone, and it changes your life, and you grow in maturity, and then you realize, hey, you know, actually, they're serving over here, and I think that's more, that's more me. And you go over there, and you, and you, you find out what, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be, because that's how God works. God is using the experience of your life to craft a masterpiece, the works that he's planned in advance for you to do. So sometimes it's a journey. And so don't let that stop you if you don't know where, where to start, if you don't know what your gifts are. Uh, and the other thing about serving is that it creates community with other believers that are serving alongside you. And they might even be struggling with the same things you're struggling in life. That's how, that's how like, some of the best friends that I've ever uh, made, I've, I've served next to them. Because you get to know them. And then you, you get to be like, hey, this kind of sucks. You know? and, then, and then they laugh and you're like, hey, okay, we could talk. You know, I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how community works. Uh, look, I started out as an electric guitar player that didn't want to sing. That's how I started out in, you know, ministry. That's all, all I wanted to do was just play guitar. And I don't know how I got here, but God did it, right? So sometimes I think we don't step out and let God use us because we don't know where we fit in. We've got insecurities, we don't make it a priority. But it's, I think it's not because we're lazy, right? It's actually because you don't know how important you are. You are so important. You are so important to God. You are so important to accomplishing what he wants to accomplish here on this earth. You are. You are uniquely you. The things maybe, some things you hate about yourself, some things that annoy you about yourself, God wants to use that. You're a masterpiece. So I'm just going to use this time to say, please, please get plugged in here. And if you want to come see me or Lauren, we would be totally glad. We'll give you our email. Just come talk to us. We want to get you plugged in because uh, you're too important. And God's purpose for you is, is too important to sit on undiscovered. Because it'll transform you. It'll transform your walk with God. It'll transform your passion. It'll transform your life. So get plugged in. You are a masterpiece. You're a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So, I think sometimes 
we, uh, gosh, we just don't see how important it is to take the time to discover where we fit in too. And that can be daunting, but like we're here. We wanna be a part of that. We're here with you, all right? And so don't, don't, don't hold back. Please come and see one of us. We, we wanna help you get plugged in. We wanna see your life transformed. And we wanna see the great work that God wants to do through you. I'm excited about it, I'm seeing it. I really am. So let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you so much that you have created us new. We're sons and daughters. We're heirs of your riches, God. And you've given us the responsibility to, to give it out, to spread the wealth, Lord. And we're masterpieces created by you to do only things that we can do. God, that you've chosen to not do things so that we could do them with you. Just thank you, Lord, and I just ask for every single person in here that might have an insecurity, Lord, that, that uh, you would just speak to them, God. You remind them that you see them, that you love them, that no insecurity, no failure is too big for you to use, Lord. Help them to see themselves as your masterpiece. Help us to see ourselves as your masterpiece, excited about who you created us to be and to do your good work, Lord. Be with us this week, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.